My name is uh, Peter Gatata. Um, I'm filling in for Corey. Um, so let's pray for him and his family. Um, I'm, I'm the second string quarterback today. <laughs> so uh, I haven't done many reps, but uh, God is good. God has always got a plan, and I trust him that uh, you know, he will speak to us today. Um, I have two daughters, Amy and Carrie, seated at the back. Um, we are, we're members of uh, the Hallows. Uh, Edmund's expression is where we, uh, we, we, we worship mostly. And uh, we joined the Hallows uh, you know, back in uh, 2020 during the COVID lockdown. You know, we did the class virtually and became members. And so we're still meeting people. Um, so we've met a lot of people. They've uh, made us I feel at home, and thank you for that. We appreciate that a lot. Our God is good. Uh, this morning, as I say, I have the incredible privilege of sharing from God's word. I haven't done so in a while, so you'll be praying for me. Um, the passage the Lord gave me is from John chapter 15, from verses 1 to 8. And I have titled this message, Abiding in Christ. To become like Jesus to glorify God, to become a disciple. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this incredible moment and opportunity that we get to hear from you. I pray that you will prepare our hearts to be good soil that receives your word so that it can bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. In Christ's name I pray. Here's the word of the Lord from John 15, the first eight verses. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them Throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I never imagined in my lifetime that I would live to see a global pandemic like COVID-19 over the last two and a half years. I never thought there would be a time that I would actually be working from home in my pajamas. But if there's anything I learned uh, during this working from home virtual, virtual lifestyle we have now is that a good internet connection is important. A bad internet connection can, can ruin your life. It can actually cause you to lose your job because uh, 
most of us, our productivity is measured in how much we do and how quickly we do that. And, and having fast, reliable internet connection is paramount. But sometimes internet connection problems is not a result of the company. It's not Xfinity, it's not always CenturyLink. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's in the wiring, the cables, the cables that we connect to the router. Sometimes those cables could be bad, could be damaged, could be loose, could be behind a desk where it's actually kinked. And so you're not getting the correct connection there. So when you talk to the IT guy, because now we are the IT guy, because now we work at home, you don't call anybody, you become the troubleshooter. So when you're doing the troubleshooting, you have to check all the cables. Make sure the cables are properly connected to the router. That way you can get the connection. And this is kind of what I see in today's passage, in this parable, this metaphor, this figure of speech that Jesus spoke to the disciples. They had done well to connect to him, but now they needed to remain in him if they were to produce fruit for God and his kingdom. They better make sure that their connection to the vine is secure. In the same way, today, if we are going to be fruitful and productive for Jesus, we ought to make sure we are securely attached to the vine. And my goal this morning is threefold. First of all, we're going to look at Jesus, the true vine, the one to whom we attach or we are attached to. Because he talks about branches being attached to him. And then we'll see the, the father's role in working through this vine. Secondly, we're going to look at exactly what Jesus means by abiding in him. He has used this word several times in this passage. Remain, remain. You know, depending on your Bible translation, it's abide or remain. How do we abide in Christ? How can we orient our lives in that direction? And thirdly, we're going to look at what Jesus, what type of fruit God expects us to bear. You know, the example he used was what, that of a, of a grapevine. So, you would expect grapes from a grape tree. Now for us, what type of fruit is God expecting from us, his followers? So the first thing is Jesus asked the true vine. Verse 1 and 2, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He refers to himself as the true vine, and this kind of begs the question for me, how and why does Jesus qualify to be the true vine? And many times in the gospel, he will use that word true. I'm the true light. I'm the true bread from heaven. I am the true vine. And he's, of course, speaking here figuratively. But were there other vines in his time that were untrue, that were possibly false or defective? And so I see here kind of a, contrast between a true vine and maybe a defective vine. And indeed, there were vines in his time that were defective. Israel, as a nation, failed as God's vine. They were a defective vine. In Psalm 80 and verse 8, 
God referred to his people, the chosen people, the nation of Israel, as the vine uprooted from Egypt and planted in Canaan. And from the moment they left Egypt to the promised land, God was with them. He loved them. He took care of them. He blessed them with great wealth in Canaan. They were supposed to be God's light and influence in Canaan. But you know what happened is that they sinned. They rebelled. They prostituted themselves to other gods. And as a result, God cut them. God sent nations to come and wipe them out. Their influence was taken away from them. Israel was a defective vine. And in Isaiah, God is lamenting through the prophet Isaiah says, What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? Why? When I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? You know, that can cost you to, you, you get mad as a farmer when you've put so much time and energy into your crop and yet it is not producing. And that was the frustration. And God could only take so much. And, and so God raised another vine. God raised a true vine. That's Jesus. And Jesus excelled as God's vine. He was from above. He was God's son. He was full of life. I love what John says in John 1 and 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of man. Unlike other vines that claim to lead people to God, Jesus emerged as the truest of them all. And unlike disobedient Israel, Jesus was obedient to the Father. And God was pleased to entrust all things to him. All judgment was entrusted to Jesus. Jesus qualifies to be our source of life and godliness. He has got it all. Then he uses these two words here, I am. I am. It's easy to miss that in our English Bibles. But that's a powerful statement right there. Because six other times in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the phrase I am when speaking about his person, about his deity. For example, to the spiritually hungry, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. To those living in spiritual darkness, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And to you, my disciples, to you, my followers, to you, believers, I am the true vine. If you are attached to me, then you are set. The I am statements. It's the same I am statements God used with Moses. God sent Moses to the Israelites, and Moses kind of said, and by the way, when I get to them, who do I say your name is? God says, go say to the Israelites that I am has sent you. I am has sent you. And Jesus says, I am. So we see, we see Jesus. He qualifies. He is God. He is from above. Israel was from below. To be Connected to Jesus was to be connected to God himself. To be connected, to be severed from Jesus was to be severed from the life of God. 
So God, Jesus could look at the disciples and say, I'm the true vine. And then in verse 2, he talks about two types of branches attached to him. The father, who is the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So that's the unfruitful branch. Produces no fruit. And it's kind of surprising. How can a fruit or someone or something be attached to the source of life and then it has no life? How can you plant a tree by the water and that tree dies? It's frustrating. The unfruitful branch does not bring any fruit. But the fruitful one, he says, well, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And later on, he's going to say, you, I am the vine, you are the branches. So the branches represent two types of Christians, two types of believers. They are those who profess only by word of mouth that they belong to Jesus, but they never do. You know, Judas is a good example. He hanged around Jesus for a long time. I mean, you could have seen Judas and said, wow, he is one of them. He was part of the vine. He was attached to the vine. And when Jesus said that to the 11, to the 12, that one of you is going to betray me, they kind of looked at each other and said, who is it, Lord? They did not know because Judas had blended so well. He had blended in so well. And that's the type of branch that Jesus says, you know, it's, it's, it's fruitless. I mean, he got many opportunities to repent and turn away from, from his sins, but he did not. But Jesus knew all along. And then we have those other fruitful branches. You know, those that bear fruit and the Father, God the Father, God's role as the vine dresser, as he is standing, his vine, he is looking at those branches, those believers who are bearing fruit and he comes to us and he prunes. That word prunes also means to cleanse. He cleanses. When you are clearing a bush, you know, is that the same word we're using? We're pruning. We're clearing. We're using our hands. We're using our, our, the vine. We're using tools to do the cleaning. And God does the same thing. And it is not pretty. Once you're done pruning that plant, it's not pretty. But later, later on, it's going to be pretty. And so when God is putting pressure in our lives, when God is pruning our lives as believers, as sons, as daughters, it hurts. It is not pretty. There's going to be many days that you're going to be in tears. There's going to be moments you're going to be awake, 3 o'clock in the morning, just your mind trying to settle down because we have no idea what's going on. Those times are there. Those storms are going to come. But God the Father is in control. God has not left us. God will not forsake us. But God will not leave us untouched. If you are bearing any type of fruit, if I am bearing any type of fruit, you better believe it. That God is working. I don't know about you, but I find this very comforting. There are times in our lives when we do not sense or see the hand of God. You know you are in the faith. You know you're attached to the vine, but you look around and say, oh my God, I, where are you, Father? But it is those moments the Father is working. I love that. 
The Father is at work. And I hope you take comfort today. I hope you take that encouragement today that God is at work. Hebrews 12, he talks about how he disciplines the son that he loves. That's the pruning of God. It's the shaping of God. Ultimately, for the glory of God to bear fruit, to be like Jesus. Jesus qualifies to be the true vine. Yes, he beats all other vines. He beats all other religions out there. He beats Judaism. He beats them all. He is the true vine in whom we have life and godliness. And we are attached to him. So we have life. We walk in life. We have eternal life because of Jesus. But then Jesus talks a lot about from verse 4. He talks about remain in me and I will remain in you. He used this word eight times in these eight verses, right? But, but before we get there, he, verse number three, look at verse number three. He says to the disciples, looking at them, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, I must tell you, on the context of this passage, Judas is not here listening and hearing these words. He has been previously been dismissed from the company of the other disciples. Jesus told him previously, Judas, I know you are the one who's going to betray me. What you're about to do, do it quickly. So when he had left, that's when Jesus said these words, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The 11, they were clean. We are clean. Isn't that how we get clean in the kingdom of God through the word of God? And so Jesus was certain that before he can talk about abiding, he was to make sure they are certain about their connection. You are connected to the true vine. You are clean. The same word that God, the, 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 the vine dresser uses to, to prune. That word prune and clean that Jesus is referencing to, they both come from the same root word. It means to cleanse, to purify guiltless, innocent. So we have this team of supernaturals working in our lives to cleanse us, to make sure we are connected to the vine. You know, I come from a Pentecostal background, not because of the way I preach, but I come from a background where maybe uh, what we call orthodoxy is not, is not the most strong suit for that denomination. And I struggled a lot with just understanding God's grace and God's love. And, and I have to tell you that if you're not sure and secure about how we, how we are connected to Jesus, it can ruin you. It can ruin your life. It can just be Doing stuff in life, you can just be a works-based faith. But we've got to be sure about our connection. And Jesus says, I am the one who purifies you. I make you clean. I declare you clean. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. To those who received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You believe I attach you to myself. That's how we get connected to the vine. 
the word, connected through the word. Same thing he told Nicodemus, that Pharisee who came at night. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born of the water and the spirit. And we believe Jesus' reference to the water, he is the water of the word. Because Paul talks about it in Ephesians 2.26. Jesus cleanses the church by the washing with water through the word. This is how we get connected. But then how do we remain? Verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Verse 5. If a man remains in me and I in him. Verse 6. If anyone does not remain. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So he's talking about remain. What how do we remain in Jesus? Now, he's about to take off and go back to heaven. He's not going to be here physically. So how do they remain in Jesus? Verse 7 kind of gives me the clue what Jesus means by that. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. Jesus is known as the Logos of God. At the very beginning of the book, the Bible says in the beginning was the word, God's divine utterance. And it's amazing because the same word, these are two different Greek words. In verse 3, it's the word Logos. Because Jesus is the divine utterance of God. In verse the seven, the words Jesus is referring to is the rhema, the spoken word of God. Everything that Jesus taught, the teachings of Jesus, the statements of Jesus, everything we find in scripture, that's the rhema, God's word. And that's how we abide in Jesus, by meditating on the word, by reading the word, by practicing the word. And you know the unfruitful branch do, will only profess, but they will not go that extra step to allow God's word to change their character. That's my question today. I mean, does the word of God have an effect in your life and in my life to change my character, to change my habit, to change my attitude, to change my ways? Is it having an effect it has to if we are bearing fruit for Christ. We maintain our fellowship with Jesus. We cannot neglect the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of fasting, of reading God's word, of meditating God's word. We've got to keep on this. That's how we abide with our Lord. That's how we maintain that connection with the vine. The same ingredient that is Needed to attach a branch to the vine is the same one needed to keep it attached to the vine. That's the word of God. My father will love him. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. I think sometimes we are too coy as believers. We, 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 we act powerless. But if you think what God, Jesus is saying here, when we are abiding in Christ, the triune God is in us. The triune God lives in us. Jesus says, we will come to you. 
Absolutely. Previously, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my spirit. He will remain in you. Actually, he will be in you. And now here, Jesus says, I'm going to come to you. If you remain in me and I remain in you, Jesus is going to reciprocate that. But there are some consequences for those who choose not to remain. The Judas type, the unfruitful branch. Consequences of not abiding. This is a warning. This is a warning not to neglect the word of Christ. It's not a threat, but it's a warning. For those who only profess Jesus but never actually go deep and allow him to change them, I have to tell you, this is a confession, there are times when my heart has not wanted to hear what God has to say. Because I didn't think I was ready. I didn't think I was ready. There are times when we actually harden our hearts. And, and just say, I, I don't think I'm ready to hear what God has to say. I'm not prepared. Because when he says, I'm not going to do it. We've got to be careful that we don't get to that place. And Jesus says, this is what's going to happen to those unfruitful branches. They will be thrown out. Once they are cut off, once they are removed, once they are severed from the vine, they will be thrown out. Then they will waste away. Ultimately, once they are dried up, they will be gathered together and they will be thrown into the fire and burned. And I think that is a reference to the end time, the end of time. When Christ comes back, there's going to be a separation of the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. I don't know at what point God severs, but I know Judas was severed. I know Judas was removed from the vine. This morning, thank God for those of us who have embraced Jesus, you know, and received him as our Lord. You know, we've been cleansed by him. Let's walk with our, with our heads and our hearts full of joy because through his word, we are connected with him. But then there's this last part that I want to look at. What does it mean to bear fruit, to produce fruit? Producing fruit. I believe that producing fruit that Jesus is talking about here is becoming like him. It is Christ's character being formed in us. The more we cling to Jesus, the more we look ourselves in the mirror of God's word, the more we abide in him through his word, the more we bear fruit. But what kind of fruit? We become more like Jesus. And he says there that apart from me, you can do nothing. There is nothing we can do in and of ourselves alone to be like Jesus unless Jesus is involved. Jesus got to be in the mix. If we are going to be like Christ, if we are going to glorify God, then Jesus has to be who we attach to. And his word has got to be the center of our lives. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In the Old Testament, as I say, the children of Israel, God was looking for some type of fruit from his people. He was looking for righteousness, but all he found was people in despair. He was looking for justice, 
after all he had done for them, but all he found was injustice. Their conduct was not equivalent to the grace they had received. They ought to have been doing better. A tree can only bear the type of fruit it's connected to. Or, or, or a branch can only bear the fruit of the type of the tree it's connected to. For an apple tree, well, you get apples. Pear tree, you get pear. Those attached to the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. Us who are connected to Jesus, same thing. We bear Christ-likeness. We become like Jesus. If any person is in Christ, the old is, new, is gone and the new has come. We are new. And people around us must see that change. They have to see that change. I mean, there's no way that we can be connected to the vine and not be noticeable. There's going to be a notice about you. People will talk about it and say, wow, I have noticed something about you. Wow, this week you are more kind. Oh, wow. You're showing too much love. What's going on here? Especially the people we live with. You know, they know us best. And they will see you when we are abiding. They will sense. They will be the ones reaping that fruit and taking advantage of it. In our workplaces, as we go out, as Christ is formed in us. And you know what Paul says about the fruit of the flesh? You know, he talks about the contrast of fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Christ is formed in us. And as we close this morning, there's one last part that I want to talk about. And that's what Jesus says in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. But look at verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Imagine a Christian life whereby we are getting our prayers answered like crazy. Because James tells us the reason our prayers don't get answered is because when we ask, we ask with the wrong motive. But Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words remain in you, we get to know the will of God. And now that we know the will of God, we know how to pray. Our prayers are different. Sure, I love cats, but praying for cats over maybe the lost souls. I mean, I, I love animals. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm just... Trying to do a contrast here, you know, the depth of our, the way, we, the way we sound out our prayers will tell someone where we are connected. God is glorified by our Christ-like character. Our character, we're changed, we're changed people. Our habit, old habits are gone, new habits come in. Something goes out, something new comes in. Let your light so shine before people so that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. God gets the glory when we produce fruit. And God knows we have the potential. Because if you look at Jesus, says, you know, 
He talks about fruit, talks about more fruit. He talks about much fruit. There's nothing like being too good or being too like Jesus. No, there's no law that says, okay, you've been too like Christ, stop now. No, no, there is always potential. As long as we are on this path to heaven, we have room for improvement. And that only comes by abiding in Jesus Christ. And finally, God is glorified when we are growing as the disciples of Jesus. For he says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's the truest evidence you can give somebody that you are in Christ, that you are a believer, that you are a follower of Jesus? It is by how we are abiding. It is by how we are living out our life every single day. It's not just the words. People fake it all the time. Judas faked it. But it is by our actions. It is, that's how we show that we are truly becoming disciples of Jesus. May the Lord help us this morning to abide in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through his word. Let us pray. Father, we are incredibly humbled by your grace and mercy to us through Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us and calling us to be your own, not by our own strength or might, but by your grace. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, whom we worship and adore with all our hearts. Father, help us to abide in Jesus. Help us not to give up nor be drawn away from Christ by unbelief and sin. We are confident that you will answer this prayer because it is in accordance to your will that we become like your son. Give us your grace to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.